This podcast was produced by ORFM Dunedin with support from New Zealand On the Air. Otago Access Radio, in partnership with Otago Polytech, brings you Blowing Bubbles. Blowing Bubbles brings you positive conversations with people in their bubbles around the world. How are people living their bubble lives? Working from home, keeping kids entertained, and staying connected and getting exercise. And how are these things presenting us with the opportunities to find new ways of living? Every weekday, the Sustainable Lens team of Samuel Mann, Shan Gallagher and Mara Karatai reach out from their bubbles to chat with interesting and positive people around the world. Broadcast on Otago Access Radio 105.4 FM and streamed and podcast on oar.org.nz and sustainablelens.org. Bringing connection, joy, kindness and peace in the days ahead. Welcome to Blowing Bubbles, positive conversations with people in their bubbles, their safe spaces around the world. I'm Samuel Mann. I'm at Otago Polytech in central Dunedin today. And I am joined across the table by Jeanette O'Fee. Jeanette is the internal auditor at Otago Polytechnic. What does the internal auditor do? Oh, they stooge around and look at things and then when people see me coming they go screaming from the building because <laughs> they know I'm going to ask them a question. <laughs> we'll come back to talking about the work you did. How was your lockdown? Um, very interesting actually Sam. Our first and only granddaughter was born about 10 days before we went into lockdown in Wellington. So right on the cusp of disinfecting, making sure we kept her safe etc. Then we went into lockdown full lockdown and she had major surgery about five to six weeks which is hard enough for any family let alone family where we couldn't be with them to support them Um, lockdown for me my husband was an essential worker he worked in he works in infantry control for foodstuffs so our bubble was approximately a thousand people so I saw no physical person apart from when we walked on the walkway for the whole of lockdown except for my husband I was doing a couple of days work at home each week because for my sins, I'm easily distracted and can talk the hind legs off a donkey, but have changed my work habits now, so predominantly work at home, do all my meetings online, but to get some social stimulation come in about one day a week. Also enables people to prepare by putting the earplugs in before I get there. <laughs> <laughs> um, we did a lot of walking, we usually bike, but because you could only walk around your neighbourhood. Might have stretched the neighbourhood or the block a wee bit, but that ensured that we maintained a level of exercise. Uh, Loneliness, I think there were a couple of times during lockdown where I probably could have done with some actual physical social stimulation. At the start, there was a lot of calls between colleagues but as we got towards the end of lockdown I found that you had to be quite proactive to engage with people the walking uh, during the lockdown it gave us all an appreciation for our local communities that we normally get up and go from 
for most of the week. Yeah. Um, for instance, um, a lady in the IT department, um, a friend of yours, Dale, that um, I met her on the walkway just as we were going into lockdown and said to her, what are you doing out here? Because we live a wee bit out of town. And she goes, oh, I live just there. And just <laughs> there is about 150 metres as the crow flies. And I had no idea. But what I couldn't believe was, with a, a veterinary nursing background, the number of dogs that I had never seen being walked <laughs> on the walkway. And we've got a beautiful walkway that goes from town out to Portobello now. And it was like a main highway. It was like the George Street on a busy day. It was just continual. And one of the amazing things was that everybody but one person in that whole time said hi, kept their social distance, but said hello. Even the bus driver would give you a wave if you were the only one on the walkway. Now, that's unprecedented. I've, I've never seen the bus driver wave to you when you're walking anywhere. <laughs> They were talking this morning about the report on uh, climate change, the, the the response we have to do to climate change, and Rod Orham, I think, was being questioned about, but this says you're going to have to have a 100% increase in pedestrian and cycling. That's impossible. No, it's not. No, it's not. No, it's not. We did way more than that during lockdown. Well, one of the, one of the interesting things for me, Sam, is the number of people that are actually now working at home. There's evidence to suggest that the productivity of an employee of a day is roughly three, three and a half hours. I know that I can probably pump out a week's work in in two days. So that's the first thing. The second thing is, do we need offices? Do we need these great big huge high-rises to run businesses in, even academia, could we be doing a lot more stuff at home? Which there's a, a there's a consequence or a positive for sustainable outcomes. We're not driving or using the bus. We're within our own environment. We we have a better family work life balance. That's what I feel. That's 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 my my view on it but I think that there are going to be and I don't know if they're going to be also subtle changes and particularly if worst case scenario we did ever have another lockdown or some other disruption yeah exactly yeah and worldwide I don't think the world as we knew it as children where things were in far away places and you had to go to far away places to do things you don't you have a good view of the, an overview of the teaching across the, the Polytech. And for lots of places, what we realised is that we're actually in a good position for moving online because we've already moved from teaching, which is primarily lectures, yep. that it's different forms of engagement. And so people are used to doing different ways. I feel really sorry for my colleagues across the road for yep. whom you know, lecturing to a 100 or 400 people is the norm and if you just put that on a video then it's really hard for that to compete with information you can get elsewhere but ours is something different but then picking up on what you're saying about down the road Sam 
400 people in a lecture theatre, 200 people in a lecture theatre. They have to get there. You sit, you write notes, you leave. 50 minutes. Why? The question is, why can you not listen to that lecture from home? Do your reading, or wherever, then go to your practicals associated with your courses. To me, it seems counterintuitive mm. to be just sitting. Where we teach here, there's a little bit more interaction, but I'm sure that with some of the lessons that we've learnt from lockdown, that we can actually build in more online activities to engage our learners. And it may be that we have to upskill some of our staff, but I think the learners that we've got coming through, the young ones, actually are savvy with online and technology. Does that answer your question? Yeah, Hamish Smith and I did some research with people from around the, mostly around the South Island, Mm -hmm. computing lecturers about their experiences of teaching during the, the lockdown. And because they were IT people, we had to make a point of saying this is not about the particular technology. We don't want to know what you've used, learnt about using Teams or Zoom mm-hmm. or whatever it might be. We're trying to get beyond that for what can we learn for the next uh, disruption. Because it, it might be another lockdown, but it might be something else. Yeah. And what we realised after working with the workshop uh, with these people from around the country is that it's not about the technology, it's about the interactions. Yeah, it's agree. about the relationships. And whatever it takes to maintain those relationships, the content will follow. Yes. Um, and the other thing is that we really need to focus on academic buoyancy or academic resilience. Academic resilience is the ability to come back from a big trough and academic buoyancy is the ability to come back from the, I was late for class today, you know, the, the little things that if you're not, don't have that sort of positive mindset to your learning, if, if it could be that I'm five minutes late for the lecture, well, I'm not going, I might as well give up on the day. I didn't get quite as high a mark as I was hoping for in that, that assignment, well, forget that course. Yeah. The ability, so we, but that doesn't, but there's a level, we have to teach that. There's a level of responsibility that we have in academia to build that academic resilience, whether it's in regard to I'm five minutes late or um, not getting the grade, whether it's face-to-face or whether it's online. Yeah. We still have to build that academic resilience or that resilience in our learners. And how we do that... I don't know whether we workshop it or we find out what worked for different people or, or or what didn't work, but like the way our learners learn, and there's multiple different ways learners learn, I think there is going to be a, a, a plethora of, of options that we provide for our learners to make sure that we are meeting their needs around resilience. Because to be quite honest, 150 people in a lecture theatre, how do they build, my question is, how do they build academic resilience normally? Mm. Let's take the first of your music choices. 
let's have Ella Fitzgerald, Ding Dong, The Wicked Witch is Dead. Why this one? Well, a long time ago when my children were little, we were driving to Blenheim and I heard a song on the radio of which I cannot remember what it was, but Gailey said, you can play this at my funeral. And one of my beautiful children in the back seat leant forward and said, oh no, we'll be playing Ding Dong, The Witch is Dead. Once there was a wicked witch in the lovely land of Oz And a wickeder, wickeder, wickeder witch there never, never was She filled the folks in munchkin land with terror and with dread Till one fine day from Kansas way a cyclone caught a house that brought the wicked, wicked witch her doom As she was flying on her broom For the house fell on her head And the coroner pronounced her dead And through the town the joyous news was spread Ding dong, the witch is dead Witch, oh witch, the wicked witch Ding dong, the wicked witch is dead. Wake up, you sleepy head. Rub your eyes, get out of bed. Wake up, the wicked witch is dead. She's gone where the goblins go below, below, below your hole. Let's open up and sing. And ring the bells out, ding-dong, the merry-o. Sing it high, sing it low. Let them know the wicked witch is your great kiwi summer absolutely fantastic what did we do uh, i had a wee personal challenge to bike my age before my birthday which was last week happy which, birthday 
Sorry. Happy birthday. Thank you very much. And my challenge, other challenge for myself was to, was to bike either mountain or road bike 500 k's for the month, and I've clocked up a. Omega 720. <laughs> so I'm feeling quite self righteous sitting here, Sam, next to you. <laughs> did but you do that from Dunedin or did you go away? No, we were in central Otago and uh, the family came from Wellington and we just had a real bruisey family summer. But I'm privileged enough to come back to work early January and heading away again next week to central for biking, wine and sun. I was there at the weekend. Where were you? I was in Wanaka, swimming. Oh. I did the 10k around Ruby Island. Did you? How long did that take? Two hours and 48 minutes. And it was perfect. There wasn't a breath of wind. So for the first two laps, it was a complete mirror. Yeah. Just a little bit of a ripple came up for the second two laps, but it was just absolutely glorious swimming the whole way around sometimes when you're swimming you get sort of like the shafts of light coming through and you're thinking this is perfect it was like that the whole time so did you do you wetsuit bike or you or you just in your togs i'm togs it's called it's referred to as skins oh okay okay yeah so i was 10th overall the second skins sam that is absolutely amazing peter johnson from timaru from ashburton i think he's from beat me in timaru by a fraction a couple of weekends ago. I was determined to beat him this time, but he got away from me. Well, he beat it, me by a minute or so. It's a bit like the biking. In Hawaii, it can be very, very windy. And it's really easy to go, oh, it's too windy to bike. But actually, we have a saying at home, I'm sorry if I offend any of your listeners, but wasn't what doesn't kill you makes you stronger. And, for instance, biking up the back of a bit of a, a, a hill last weekend I made a comment about I didn't like this hill and my husband quietly sat behind me and said yes but what doesn't kill you makes you stronger and actually I suppose if you take that philosophy into COVID actually if we think about it yes there was some very negative aspects about it but the positive aspects of being able to spend time with your family, albeit ours were in Wellington. But what we did every couple of days was we had a Zoom conference call. So there were six of us, all talking at once, all laughing, all giggling, talking about the tough bits, talking about the good bits. Yeah. I think it's reminded us to do those sorts of things because we've had the technology for probably 10 years that we could do that, but but we haven't been doing it. But we haven't, and there's been no mandates, so to speak, or rules, but, but we had to engage. Even my parents at 81 and 85 had their iPad out and we were doing Zoom calls with them because I'm a sibling. I've six siblings. And... They all live in Blenheim, I live here, but all of us were on conference. And actually, when you ring up, you go, oh, what have you been doing today? Oh, yeah, just not, you know, just the normal things, nothing exciting. But when you're actually on Zoom, oh, I brought this pair of shoes <laughs> online, and oh, I've been online shopping and I've done this, and 
and and let, 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 let's go and see the plant I've just put in. Yeah, yeah. And I, <laughs> Walking I, around the house. I went out with the saw and I, I thought I'd just trim this tree, but this is what it actually now looks like. Um, the saw has been taken off me. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's... I think it connected. And I know I feel very sorry for people that have family overseas. But I like to ask the question is, did they actually engage with them more over COVID? using technology than what they would normally have. We describe this show as being positive but not deluded. Mm-hmm. What do you think is the role of a, a positive but not deluded mindset? Hmm, that's interesting. Positive but not deluded mindset. Well, I'd like to think that my glass is pretty full, Um, get affected by things, bit of a Pollyanna I suppose, walk around with rose-tinted glasses and hope that, well, I'm interested in what people do, but I definitely think that positivity goes a long way to helping us with our experiences. And you know, you talk about technology, Sam. I'm the person that gets in the car and if the car doesn't start, I feel my blood pressure going through the roof. But like when I turn on my computer and it doesn't go and you ring up the IT chaps and chicks and they go, turn it off for 10 seconds. There's no use getting aggro about it. It's actually stopping and listening to what you've learnt or thinking about what you've learnt so that next time you'll do it better. Deluded? No, I think positively out outdoes delusion. I think maybe some of those people that are deluded have other other things that they need to frame, look at, and frame. I was listening to some British comedians over the weekend, and they were talking about everything that the British government is trying, half-heartedly trying that they're certainly trying they just don't seem to get it of what they're trying and that they were joking about they were looking around for for the government to try for other things and they eventually got to the the only answer they could come up with was to turn britain off wait 10 seconds and turn it back on again yeah And, and they were seeing that as a big joke but i was talking to henry as we were driving along and maybe that's what new zealand successfully did we actually said let's just stop and restart again, whereas everyone else has tried to keep the computer running. But what's the economic impact of a stop and restart compared with a let's just keep dabbling and the impact long term economically? So when we, when we stop people coming into the country and we can manage our resources, like our hospital resources, etc. There will be an economic impact, but what's the impact for the likes of the states in the UK, where it's infinite expenditure, but also the impact on businesses, families, just the impact on morale. Talking to them, they're broken. Positivity. Mm. 
very broken, very broken. I belong to a, a women's gravel cycling group, and when I first joined it, it was a bunch of women out of the United States. And now there's Vietnam, Germany, England, all of these, all of these places. And what what they do is, is women can ask questions of other very experienced women writers. I don't answer any questions. I just post my pictures. But at the moment, some of these women are riding in the winter in really exposed places. Some of them live in Fort Worth or Dallas or Texas, and they're still trying to do exercise in an environment that cannot be conducive to that. And there's, there's an example of positivity. And I probably would never have joined that group if I hadn't seen it in one of my things on Facebook during COVID and thought, oh, that looks interesting. So there's an example of, I don't know, I never ask questions about how they cope with, with lockdown or anything. They mention it sometimes, but it's, a, it's sort of like a support network that I probably would never have joined before. There's some comedians that I was listening to said you could track the time through the pandemic by what everybody was doing that week. There was the week when everybody cut everybody else's hair. There was the week we all made bread. Oh, shit! <laughs> and I think this week, and maybe this month, is the month in which that people in the Northern Hemisphere are going on virtual cycle trips. Oh. So my Strava is full of people cycling around the Alps and doing things. And then on you're Swift. Like, no, on, on Swift, yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, around technology during COVID, I found that my Facebook usage went up like 90 percent i'll i usually check my instagram in the morning check whether my kids have put anything up if there's any family group chat and then that's it and i once i recognized that i was spending so much time on facebook looking at people's funny haircuts or the bread they'd made or whatever it was that i didn't actually need to do it that it just became something I did in a gap. And so then I would actually go outside and do some gardening or do something. And I think because we went biking, because we were scared we'd have an accident, and you weren't really allowed, well, you weren't allowed, um, that the gap got filled with some technology. And I just wonder if there was some people that... Rather than engaging with Fano, they maybe engaged more with their devices, and it was counterintuitive. Mm-hmm. But I don't know. I don't know if anybody's done any research on that. Well, that's where that new term came from. Was it doom scrolling? Oh, <laughs> just, just continue yeah, doing, just just scrolling down and down and down. Eventually, you reach the bottom of the internet. Do you reach the bottom of the internet, Seb? Maybe. Have you reached the bottom of the internet, I think there's quite a lot of the internet we haven't seen. Yeah, I would agree. And there's some that we probably don't want to see or shouldn't see. Bubble Sprite of the Forest of Orokadui, Dunedin's favourite goddess, Tahu Mackenzie. Kia ora koutou, nga mihi arohanui, kia koutou, kotahoho. Hope you're all having the best day, beautiful superstars, and your beloved universes. And I really hope 
that wherever you are and whatever's happening around you, this journey that we're all on together, proving to be rewarded, very sustained and illuminating for you and each day who you are. The triumph of nature's art, unique here. Thank you. So today I'm attending the funeral of one of my dear friends, Dr. Phil Bishop, who's the most amazing conservationist and scientist and academic and friend and inspiration and connector to us all here in Aote Dunedin and to people all over the world. And he ran New Zealand Frogs Amphibian Survival Alliance, so he was it's his role to protect all frogs on the planet. <clears throat> Unfortunately, he was found to have a brain tumour and passed away very, very quickly in the last few weeks, and it's very sad. And of course, I know that everybody who connected with him will be so grateful to him. And he helped me absolutely, immeasurably, ever since I started at Oregon, supported me with the education program, connected me with Dr. Jane Goodall, meant that I could, you know, have Jane Goodall visit Orokanoi and launch her program here, go over to Windsor Castle and stay with her. All these amazing opportunities came from that connection with him. He gave me frogs to have at Orokanoi and the visitor centre and lots and lots of frog resources and connected me with his student. But more than any of that, I know that he was able to see who I was and appreciate it, which was really, really kind. And I'm so grateful for that. And I know that he was able to do that with everyone. So I think everybody today will be feeling really sad, but also really grateful. And I just thought that for our time together today, I could really celebrate him, but also celebrate the ability that we have to really help each other feel recognised and feel supported. And my beautiful cat Poirot want to be recognised and supported. Come on! And is now purring and having a pet. So it's not just with other human life forms, of course, it's with all life around us that we give that recognition support. And of course, fundamentally, it's also to ourselves. And I think this is a, an ongoing process that the more we are able to give that recognition and support to others, the more it comes back to us, I hope, and the more we can give it to ourselves. I know that the last few while has been very difficult for everyone. We've all had our huge ups and downs, a lot that we've been working through. But I really hope that from this time, you have been able to give recognition and support to yourself in terms of your own strength. What a huge, huge time we've been through together and, you know, we're still going through together. I have my beautiful mum over in the UK. I know a lot of us have family overseas. So the more we can do just to really appreciate and support each other, express the love that we have for each other in whatever way we can, make the most of our time together as best we can. And yeah, I'm very grateful for this time with you all. I hope that you have a wonderful day, feel surrounded by lots and lots of love, and I'll look for talking to you again tomorrow. Thank you again for together, it's so helpful for me. I hope it can be for you too. And thank you again for all the love and support and recognition you're giving those lucky people around you. Thanks so much. Kakiti. You're listening to Blowing Bubbles, we're talking with Jeanette O'Fee. Jeanette, we've seen lots of societal change over the the last few months than last year yikes what do you think will stick and what do you hope will stick the ability for employers to be open to their staff working from home 
I'm hoping that some of the homeschooling that parents had to do will become part of the normal routine in supporting their children and that people will or have built into their life post-COVID the things that they did like playing games um, board games or playing cards or family movie nights or making bread teaching kids how to pay muffins how to use a washing machine that these things continue because we've been given an opportunity that no other generation in the last I don't know 300 years black plague I suppose um, we've been given an opportunity to recalibrate and I'm just wondering how many people have gone back into business as usual instead of taking the opportunity to build change into what they do because one of my other wee sayings is that change is the only constant so hopefully it has given us the opportunity to stop recalibrate and do things differently what have you done differently Sam what, since COVID what, what have you done that you've built into everyday life that you didn't do prior to COVID I am mostly working from home cool um, and it is more productive exactly yeah there is an awful lot of downtime just in you know, we, we work in a big building yeah so there's quite a lot of downtime just getting about. And you and you see somebody and you it would be it, it's okay to walk past them and go, Oh hi, how are you? But actually if you stop if you ask somebody, Hi, how are you? or they ask you, you stop, you're mindful, you answer, and then you move on. Yeah. But we can have a meeting two hundred and fifty metres away, leave that meeting and it takes us half an hour to get back here. Mm. And Yes, I know relationship building is really important and having those relationships with people, but we're here to do a job and there is a lot of downtime. Mm. I think I do miss the fact that my desk, I can look out onto the hub, the yep. sort of communal area of Polytech, and I miss seeing somebody out of the corner of my eye and think, I needed to go and talk to them. Yep. Or I'm writing a paper or something and somebody walks past and I think, oh, they work in design fiction. I hadn't thought about design fiction, and yep. you know, so that kind of that unexpected connection. Yeah, I think we've got to find a way of, of keeping that. It's how you keep those connections, and it's it's like, for instance, um, uh, one of the WEAs up on the on the third floor. I know she's got horses, and it would be really easy to walk past her and go, "Hi, how are you?" and just keep walking, but. I always stop and ask how the horses are going or if it's somebody else that's got a young child or an older child, I always say, oh, how'd the birthday go? Those things are really important. But I still think that there's a level of the... We can still continue with those connections. We don't have to have a reason to just give them a quick Teams call, but it's remembering to do that. Or if somebody pops into your head, rather than just going, oh, I wonder how they are, Take that few seconds, give them a call. might take a few minutes, but it's probably less time than walking from one meeting to the other and the people that we see. But I do agree, there are the spontaneous 
connections that are made that support our our work environment mm. and and feed each other mm. as well. I think that what it's done is it's cut office politics off at its knees. Well, for me, I don't care. I for things that you might have gotten wrapped up in. I think that this sort of time away from it is just cut it dead. And I mean, sorry, viewers, but I I I dislike politics with passion. And one of the things I really don't like in big organisations is some of the game playing and politics that happen. And many people get engaged in that, and it sucks up so much time and so much energy. Mm. And no, I, 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 what you see is what you get, I'm afraid. <laughs> and as you know, Sam, sometimes people don't like what they see is what they get.
W2's Joshua Tree. A pretty nice national park. Not my favourite national park in the States, but pretty nice all the same. What lessons do you think we can take from the pandemic and the pandemic response for the the bigger sorts of questions that we face as a society? And I'm thinking of things like climate change or social justice. Do you think we can take anything from that? I think we have to. Like, as I mentioned before, we've never been... COVID was traumatic, but it was an opportunity. And that opportunity to stop. When have we ever been given the opportunity to stop? Yes, there were financial ramifications for a lot of people and job losses. I'm not negating any of that. But climate change, for for instance, I would really like to know, I haven't looked, but I'd really like to know what the level of pollution just in New Zealand cities was, e.g. Christchurch, what was the level of, of, was there a, a reduction in pollution? Was there was there a reduction in for organisations that didn't have to have power, lighting, etc. for for the length of lockdown? What did they do with that saving, or was there other costs that they hadn't anticipated? I don't think I've answered your question, Sam. And another thing is that it showed us that we can do stuff. Of course we can. So the argument that we can't do it or it's going to take until 2020 or, sorry, it is 2020, 2070 to, to achieve this minor change is like... But if, but if you look at here, us here at Polytech, we have had for the last... When did we bring in Blackboard? 18 years ago, mm. the learning management system. Mm-hmm. And the the vision of our, our previous chief executive was that all programs and courses would ha- would be on the learning management system that we now use, which is Moodle. It identified some gaps of areas that hadn't actually taken the opportunity to build their resources, learning resources, into Moodle. And yes, those people worked really hard over COVID to get those resources up. But now they're up. What are they going to do differently now to support the learners that are coming in during 2021 that they're being given an opportunity to change how they do things? Whereas maybe prior to that, were things a too hard basket or they just didn't have time because of the way they were currently doing something? I think it's going to remind us that it's about thin teaching, that it's about processes of learning. So it's not just that it's on Blackboard now, but I've got in the back of my mind, we might have another lockdown. I need to prepare my students for that eventuality. But prepare yourself as well. Yeah. 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 Um, and so it's not just a teaching, te- you know, teaching, teaching, teaching. Oh, now we're locked down, now what do we do? Mm-hmm. We've actually got that kind of in the back of our heads as a thing that might happen. And as we were talking about before, we need to be thinking about things like academic buoyancy. We need to be thinking about the inequity type issues, about whether or not everyone can get access to not just a computer, but time to study if they're at home and mm. things. The, the other thing, Sam, is that I think lockdown gave us an opportunity to 
rebuild relationships. I think communities have become quite insular and you heard I heard so many stories on the news and personal anecdotes from people about how they met their neighbours. And this is just not in New Zealand. I've got a girlfriend that lives in London and she met nearly all her neighbours across the road, backwards, frontwards. She works 14-hour days as a specialist. And, yeah, that, that we have communities, but communities that interact, mm-hmm. communities where you know who lives across the hall in your apartment. You can actually now say hello to them. And do we retain those relationships? And do we build from them? Well, now you know that Dale lives across the road from you. Yeah, I do. Coming, closing the loop. Yeah. Except that well, she's rim. managed to retire in her mid-50s and has gone off mountain climbing. Yeah, well, we won't go there. Well, there's an opportunity that she's taken. <laughs> <laughs> to say I'm jealous would be um, the understatement of the year. But anyway, things happen for a reason. <laughs> So some questions to end with and not very much time to do them, so let's rattle through them. What is the biggest success you've had in the last couple of years? Personally, well, we've got a beautiful new granddaughter. Professionally, um, having worked in the polytechnic arena for 20-plus years, being given an opportunity to use some skills that I didn't really realise were transferable. And that, that's, that's pretty powerful. So we're writing a book of these conversations. It's called Tomorrow's Heroes. It's our team of people doing good work. So you are in the team. Oh, what could work have I done? What is, you've been talking about it, what is the superpower that's got you into our mansion? Our mansion here at OP? No, this what? team of people doing good work mansion, the superhero mansion. I'd like to say because I like people. Um, I hope that I would be a helpful Hannah to people. And one of the things I need to learn to do a little bit more is listen. So maybe listening to the to the stories of those in the mansion. Do you consider yourself to be an activist? No. As I said before, I can talk the hind legs off a donkey but like to say below the radar. Mine didn't appear that way with the extrovert personality. But will... Will go... (laughs) We'll go to bat for those things that I and those people that I feel need it. So what motivates you? What motivates me? Well, that's really hard, Sam. People. My family. just 
enjoying what you've got, actually looking at what you've got. I think I pushed myself too hard. What challenge are you looking forward to in the next year or so? Well, that's a secret. But prior to COVID, I was training for a 100-mile one-day bike race in Kansas. But I don't think we'll be going back to America anytime soon. So I will, my challenge at the moment is to do a minimum of 500 k's a week. And I can do that in five bike rides or I can do it in two. So to stay healthy, happy and enjoy my family, Sam. And lastly, do you have any advice for our listeners? Enjoy each day. Don't sweat the small stuff and smell the roses, which I know people say this to to us quite a lot and when we're really, really busy and somebody says, ah, oh, take time and smell the roses. I look back now on reflection and I go, I wish somebody had shown me how to smell the roses. So seeing somebody in a similar position Hoping that I could take a little bit of work off them or help them in some way so they do have time to smell the roses and helping them to learn how to smell the roses, I suppose. Thank you very much for that. We've been going out to summer songs, but we'll take a not quite a summer song today. We'll go out to Kermit the Frog, Rainbow Connection, in memory of Phil Bishop. Thank you. Why are there so many songs about rainbows And what's on the other side Rainbows are visions but only illusions And rainbows have nothing to hide
listening to Blowing Bubbles, positive conversations with people in their bubbles, their safe spaces around the world. We broadcast on Otago Access Radio and streamed and podcast on oar.org.nz. You can find us on Facebook and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. We had a contribution today from Tahu McKenzie. I'm Samuel Mann in Otago Polytechnic with Jeanette O'Fee, also at Otago Polytechnic. We hope you enjoyed the show. Someday we'll find it The rainbow connection The lovers, the dreamers This podcast was produced by ORFM Dunedin with support from New Zealand On the Air.